Welcome to New Week, New Music, reviewing the hottest tracks with the hottest takes of 2020. My name is Brandon. I'm Eric. And I'm Ben. Each week, we're going to be looking at uh, two new albums released in 2020. Tonight, we're going to be kicking things off with uh, Marcus King's El Dorado. And we'll finish things off with Split by Kvelertak. All right, before we actually get started in any of this, do you think any one of us have ever pronounced that band correctly yet? Kvelertok? That will be one bonus of this episode. People listening will get to hear attempt to speak Finnish. Yeah, I'm (laughs) sure there are like special letters that don't exist in English in that word. If there is a single Finnish person listening to this podcast, uh, if there is a single person listening to this podcast, (laughs) make better choices. Let alone a Finnish one. Make better choices. We're not going to get called out on this one. I think we're safe. All right, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we actually got copy striked because of how much shit you talked about Green Day. I think it was the hot takes somehow the melted takes through the, the, the circuitry. Too the, hot. They were too <laughs> hot. I don't really think we've had a single, like, insanely, like, controversial opinion. We need to have a, I think the most controversial opinion so far was Eric's dislike of Poppy. Which I have since revised. You, I mean, you still don't like the album. No, but, but it was not nearly as spicy as it was in that single week. <laughs> um... Yeah, all right, anyway, uh, so let's get started tonight. Uh, Marcus King's El Dorado. What did you guys think? I and I enjoyed this album overall. I enjoyed it overall. Um, I was not, you know, wowed by it. No, but that's not. pretty it much, was, yeah. It was solid. I was disappointed because last week, um, me and you, we looked up, me and Eric, we looked at some music by Marcus King. And I was super impressed by what I had heard. Like, there was a lot of, like, Zappa influence, a lot of Hendrix and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Granted, uh, the, the latter two there are, are, are very present on this album. It was a much more, by the numbers, blues. Yeah. And I even put, like, it's like a tour of blues from, like, the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. And a little bit of, like, R&B in the 80s. And again, very similar to some of our other good albums, there was nothing, he did a good job with it, but it was just very, I don't even have necessarily a very strong negative opinion about really anything on this album, but I will say, and it's an opinion I had on uh, Pat Metheny's album, when you're doing a genre like blues or classic rock or in case Pat Metheny jazz, genres like that they are so old and they've been around for so long and they've been done so many different ways so many and if you're doing that genre nowadays you really gotta bring something new to the table you gotta bring if you want it to be memorable or else otherwise why would you listen to marcus king over stevie ray vaughn that is pretty much the question i was asking the whole album it was kind of like yeah this is fine but but I would rather just listen to the classics. Yeah. I could not stop comparing this to like Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, it's it, it, it will be a, uh, a theme throughout this evening, and both bands, I think, very much wore their influences on their sleeves. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, like, and when that's the case, you're going to have to make those comparisons. And I definitely think Marcus King failed to differentiate himself from his influences in a meaningful way. Or really live up to them. I mean, I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. That. This was a really good album, but like, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan's a legend. 
This was yeah. there was nothing. Marcus King is not a legend, right? Yet, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not. But if you're gonna if you're gonna kind of set yourself up, people are gonna make that comparison. Yeah. Well, let's talk about how we arrived at this album in the first place. So I heard a song on the radio a couple weeks ago, um, and I loved it. Um, you know what the song was? Yeah, it was uh, One Day She's Here. That's what led oh, us nice. to. So I heard the song on the radio, and hmm. I didn't know what it was. Um, but I heard had an image in my mind, and it was I was pretty sure it was from the '70s. I was pretty sure it was someone I'd heard of, like probably not Marvin Gaye or Roy Ayers, but maybe somebody along that vein. So it's funny I had this image in my mind of what this was coming from, and then I look up the song, and it's this, and it's from 2020, and it's this goofy-looking white dude with red hair and weird glasses, and like. A cowboy Surely hat. this can't be the correct song. And I read like, holy shit, this is the song I heard. So completely off, off what I thought it was. But I love the song. I was like, oh shit, we got to check this out. I will say that for me, that song was the best by far. The rest um, of the album did not live up to it. But that was kind of what piqued yeah, my curiosity. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Uh, one thing I will say, this, this word kept coming to me as I was listening to this album. And I really don't, it's a compliment, but I don't really know if it's a good thing. The num- If I had to describe this album with one word, it would be groovy. <laughs> and like, I don't know if that's a good thing yeah. in 2020. It's like calling a salad zesty. It's like, you know, it might be a good thing, but it's not what, it's not yeah. what you want to like, advertise yourself it, Like, There's a lot of really good grooves, a lot of really good guitar lines, and a lot of... It was really peaceful and serene at times, and it very much a throwback to the 70s, but as we had said earlier, like... It's been done. It's been done yep. a million times by... No offense to Marcus King, people way more talented than him. I, yeah, I think the the whole time I was listening to this, there was there was never a point where I'm like, yeah, I don't like that. No, it was all good, but I, I kept like I wanted more. Yeah. You know, he'd play a little cool guitar line. It's like, could, yeah, but could I get more? More Give of me, that? Take yeah. this in a in a direction. That being said, this guy can fucking sing. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I really liked his voice. Yeah. I like. I mean, he's got a huge range. He, he's, his inflections could yeah. vary from just being really soft to adding a little bit of gruffness to what I thought. I mean, and yeah. seeing like a picture of him, I was not expecting <laughs> was not. The, the high notes he was hitting to come out of this man. Uh, like seeing him live must kind of be a little bit of a trip just for yeah. that alone. Yeah, I think um, makes it reminds me of a, you know since we mentioned Stevie Ray Vaughan and he's so obviously so influenced. something he used to say actually was he said uh, you know if you're a guitarist. You also have to be a singer because if you can't yep. sing, if you don't have a van, you're not getting to a gig. <laughs> yeah. Like in this genre, you know, there's a lot of blues guitarists out there. I mean, blues guitar, and not to not to say anything bad about it, it's very difficult to do this musically on stuff, but it is one of the easier guitar styles. Yeah. At, at mm-hmm. least to kind of hack your way through. So if you're going to be an average blues guitarist, there's a billion of those. Oh, so yeah. you either have to be a singer, or you have to be Stevie Ray Vaughan legendary, or in his case, Stevie Ray Vaughan legendary and a singer. <laughs> and so he's definitely a singer, and he's a good singer. Yeah, Marcus Kim is definitely more singer than guitar player. Oh, absolutely. Oh, sure. By far. I, By far. I was disappointed with I was I was hoping for some sweet blues licks, and they are here. They are There's present. Yeah, but they never go very far, though. They never go yeah. very far. They're they never last long, and every single time it happens. I wanted more of it. And, um, which is why towards the end of the album, which you guys know my opinion on country music, so this might come as a surprise to you, the country western stuff he does 
like in the back half of the album, I think was my favorite part of the mm-hmm. album. I agree with yeah. that, yeah. Because um, it was, those parts, part of it is I don't know have much experience with country western. Um, so I finally stopped comparing him to like, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and people like that. And I was able to like just actually enjoy what the music was there. And it is good music. Like uh, the song Too Much Whiskey. I really, really like that song. Yep. That it was it my did favorite. a great job of sounding like a very classic country western song. But I if I went to like a country bar and heard that song playing today, I would not be surprised. It I think it did a really good job of sounding both modern and classic. Uh, so the dude, the dude's talented. Oh yeah. I, I wish he would branch out on his own. So I have a question for you, Brandon. Have you regained your ability to tolerate clapping after Green Day? Because there was a lot of clapping. <laughs> there was in this, a lot of clapping was on this album. On multiple times. Uh, I'm it, like, I wonder did, how Brandon's doing with this. <laughs> it, it did not bother me. Good. I thought they did a great job of very tasteful clapping, but I thought you might still be a little scarred from. I mean, I still am a little bit, but I can I can get past okay. it. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, one uh, complaint I do have on this album I, I had forgotten is there are a lot of parts on this album where the drums get completely lost in the mm. production. Mm. Yeah. And if that and that's a really weird thing yeah. to lose. I have nothing to say about the drums. I almost and, forgot they were there. It's yeah, funny you mentioned that. Like, yeah, they're like just That's exactly what I'm talking they? about. Like yeah. how do you lose the drums? It's not terribly shocking in a more country kind of thing. I mean you probably shouldn't lose the drums, but I could see it happening in country a lot easier than I. I could mean, but see even it on like the first half of the album, when it's classic yeah. rock, it still yeah, happens. There you can't. Uh, that was that was the first time I've ever like, like this production is so bad I can't hear the drums. Like, what are they doing? It's a little weird. Like, I'm like yeah. it's so bad. There's no way they accidentally did that. Like that had to have been a choice, and that is a very bizarre choice. You can do it pretty much accidentally if you don't mix drums first. Like normally you'll mix, submix the drums, put the bass under the drums, put the singer on top, and then you'll fill in the rest of the space. If you do it backwards and you're like, okay, here's my vocal line, then I throw some guitars, and by the time you get to the drums, it can be real easy to lose them. Mm-hmm. So One, it's yeah. maybe just a process issue, or or it's totally intentional. And when you get to professionals, I would assume it's intentional. Uh, for the most part, I always assume it's intentional unless there's something incredibly jarring about it where it's like, there's no way they didn't, they purposefully did that. I don't think anybody we've listened to this year is like indie enough that they didn't have professionals working on their stuff, so. Algiers, maybe. And like, even then, like, they may not have had like the biggest names, but they definitely had professionals. Yeah, like people that should have known better. <laughs> yeah. One complaint I did have was kind of the juxtaposition of some of the tracks. I felt like it really lost momentum, especially in the midsection where you had, I think, three songs in a row that were very just laid back and slow. And I think two of them were both waltzes, like slow-paced waltzes back to back. I was like bored as shit. Like you can't really do that because you hear one song and then it does another one. Like oh, this is 
That's what I just heard. And then, yeah. and then they had two songs that were more uh, on the banger side of things, where they were like, <laughs> and the, you know, partying, you know, and drinking like and the, stuff. The too much like whiskey. Too much. Um, it, it did have a, too much whiskey. Did have a, no, not not uh, even that. But uh, I think the two before that is what I was referring to more. Turn so, it up. Turn it up and say you will. <laughs> yeah. It's like okay, so we had the three waltzes that he had these that are like. But it's the same, you yeah. know. I felt like they either could have mixed things up in a better order or just gone a different route with a couple of things on this album. Yeah, I didn't think the album was put together song to song very well. It did not feel too much like an album song to song. Which, it, you know, fair enough. Maybe that's yeah. not what they're going for. That is something I think we have to admit is we're reviewing these all assuming that they're supposed to be a totally cohesive album. That's the point. Which in 2020, that could be hit or miss. Yeah. Even going back, I mean, 30 years ago, I mean, how many albums actually are cohesive? I mean, and are designed very to be... small minority, in my, at least in my experience. So, um, fair I, enough, but it depends on how you draw the line from cohesive. Like, if you're referring to like, you know, um, a concept album, yeah, the, it's yeah. definitely the vast minority. Sure. But I, I do think most albums are recorded in a way to sound good as an album. Definitely, I, I think that is much less of the case nowadays, but I, I do think overall that's still the case for the most part. Um, you see it- But how many do a good job of it, I guess is what I'm, that, you know, that's, now we're getting- into and, and if it comes down to it, I don't know that there's the pressure or really maybe even the reason to spend as much time worrying about it as you might have when people were buying an album. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, back in the day, especially like on vinyl, like if you wanted to hear the fourth song on the album, you a lot of times you had to listen to the first three yeah. first. It was not the easiest thing starting on like in the middle of an album when it's vinyl. But nowadays, like with streaming and Spotify and Apple Music and all that, I'd be like, oh, that one song. You're almost better off just putting out your 10 best songs regardless of how they work together. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I'm... I don't know if there's a whole lot more episodes. Oh, uh, one line I did want to mention because it made me laugh. On Too Much Whiskey, uh, it was like, I'm swimming upstream in a river of whiskey. <laughs> 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 I mean, that made me laugh. Because I definitely had a good sense of humor. Uh, yeah, I... I like this album. I, f I, I don't even want to say I feel like I know I've heard this album before. Uh, by, once again, no offense to Marcus King, people way more talented than him. Uh, but if you like blues, you like classic rock, you like country western, I'd say it's worth a check oh, out. Oh yeah, definitely. It, um, I don't have anything negative to say about this album other than well, we've already it's not said, original. But uh, it's, yeah, it's not original. Production's a little bland or a little bad at points. Um, I will say that while it is lacking originality, it doesn't go beneath my bar of where I just completely disregard it as music. It's not that unoriginal. No, no, not even close. No, he, yeah. he's doing a he's doing a tried and true genre, and he's not really branching out of it. But but he's doing a good job, and he's playing within that. That's fine. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, like. There's a difference between, yeah, a lot of people have put out blues albums and like, I have heard this exact song down to the chord progressions, down to the sound, you know. Yeah. It's a very different kind of game. Yeah, like, I don't think you'll ever confuse this for an actual Stevie Ray Vaughan song, anything on here, but... It's it is, influenced. Yeah, it is 
pretty much impossible to hear this and not think of it. So it does pass over my bar of originality, not by much, but it does pass over the bar. It's it's very, very heavily influenced, but not a copycat. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, yeah, and you mentioned uh, your favorite song was Too Much Whiskey. Is that the one? Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a fun one. That was my favorite as well. Okay. What was your guys' least favorite? I'm not sure if we even You know, one. there weren't any that were bad. Um, I would say probably one of the... I think Sweet Mariana. Yeah, Sweet Mariana favorite. might be um, probably that one. So yeah, Although yeah. there weren't any that stood out as like bad or anything. No, there were a few that were all... probably I, the slower section. Sweet Mariona um, uh, break. No pain at the end. Good. I was not a very big fan. Oh, of I like No Pain. That was oh, my second you? favorite song of the oh, album. Okay. No, um, I was not a big fan. Oh, of okay. I thought that one. There were two songs on this album that stood out from the rest, and I think One Day She's Here is by far the best song on the album in my view. I I did also really like the opening track. Love that man's dream. Oh, did you? Yeah. I really kind of sound like Neil Young there. Yes. Yes, it did. I thought One Day She's Here was. Just musically, mm. the one that stood out. Like, that was an original song. It, it had a lot of influences, but that is a damn good song. And I got a lot of George Thoroughbred on the... Really in, like, the opening, like, oh, okay. block yeah. of songs. But I think... Um, yeah. The Well and One Day She's Here, I think, in particular, I got a yeah. lot of George No Pain Thoroughbred. was interesting for me, though. I thought um, that was the other song that stood out for me. That was a little different than the rest. I think the, part of it is, like I said earlier, is like at the end of the, I was just bored. Mm, um, yeah. I and so I think that definitely may have influenced some of my decision making with um, with no pain. I thought they did a really good job of using the. It sounded like a like a clavinova effect or something on the on the keyboard little uh, little uh, jingles there, and then I thought I'd have, the use, I'd have to go back. To yeah, that. the strings were fantastic on the song though. Uh, the strings just. Just sobbing, crying. In the I background. wasn't expecting as much strings on this album as yeah. I got. The strings were great They're, in No Pain. I like the I darkness really, of the song, and I, I'm disappointed that it didn't do more with it because the minute I thought it was going to branch out in something kind of new territory, the song just kind of faded out, and I wanted a little more. One thing that I really liked that was in uh, an album through that was the the choral vocal backing vocals. Backing vocals yeah. were great. They really yeah. made this album. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, like, the the backing vocals is really what saved this album from being, like, an actually... I mean, if we're going to do Southern Revival, you need... I mean, that's yeah. just... You need to do it, like, you need to yeah. do it well, and yeah. this definitely did it well, in my opinion. Absolutely. So, yeah, any anything else before we move on to... All right, we all, we all have to say it at least once. So, Eric, I think it's your turn. Uh, I'm going to... Kveller talk. Kveller talk. Kvar talk. I have no Kvart idea. Kvart talk. Uh, anyway, the album's called Split. <laughs> that I can say. <laughs> and uh, so what was your guys' opinion on this one? Split. I liked this one quite a bit. I, I did not really care for it. I, I enjoyed this album as well. I, I had the feeling that that was going to be the case. Uh, ben, I, you were not... I know you're not a big fan of, like, the harsh vocals. And... I'm this not, and I tried to put that aside for this, but even so, I, I did not think this was a good album. I actually thought this album would be a really good, like, intro album for people trying to get into, like, really harsh vocals. Because for the most part, they're singing in, I believe, Finnish. So, can't understand a damn word they're saying anyway, even if you are <laughs> Finnish. Being able to enjoy, like, really harsh vocals that you get in a lot of metal, you normally have to, like, think of it as an instrument. Don't think of it as right. yeah. singing. Well, damn, Cavaller talk fucking shut the door on me then. <laughs> I, I guess that's just not meant to be for you, for you, Ben. But, um, yeah, once again, very clearly had the influence on their streams, like, with, like, no effects, um, any metal band in the last 
30 years you could name would probably be in here somewhat. Um, I got a lot of Kiss on here as well, which is, I was not really expecting. I got a lot of uh, like kind of southern rock, stoner metal kind of music. Mm -hmm. I heard angsty punk in here in some parts too, which well, was that, threw no, me for a loop. Yeah, no effects. Well, they, they are like a metal yeah. punk okay. band. Like they, they do advertise themselves as okay. punk, so. That would make sense then. Yeah, I appreciated the, uh, the lack of drop tuning. Yeah, which is kind of interesting in a metal album, especially these days. Yeah, it's it's interesting to come out in 2020 in a metal album and be playing in stand, E standard, you know. Mm -hmm. I appreciated it, though. Yeah. No, not enough people do this. Mm -hmm. no, and it, that was something I uh, I didn't even like notice my first time, really. But the second time I was like, wait a second, <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't the metal tuning or whatever the fuck you call it. This is normal and so an, an interesting and impressive fact about that too is a lot of the reason i mean the yes 90 percent of the reason people down tune is because it sounds deep and heavy and whatever the other 10 percent of the reason is it's way easier to sing lower mm -hmm. you shift it down a third it's so much easier to sing keeping up with i mean like even like bands like metallica that play an e standard a lot down tune a step or two live just to do the vocals so good on this guy for being able to pull off the vocal lines with mm -hmm. the higher register because that's something that a lot of groups don't do anymore. One thing I will say about this album is my on my casual listen of this album where I'm not nearly as focused on it, I liked it so much more than when I really focused on it. Like I feel this album does kind of fall apart a little bit when you really focus on it because like when you really focus on it you realize this whole fucking album sounds exactly the same yeah and yeah it was um which made like my note taking listen to it a fucking drag yeah i, was, well, I feel bad for you because you're obviously being a metal aficionado you're probably trying to write as much stuff as you can where i'm, I'm trying to think of things to write but <laughs> you're trying to uh not so much because i had never heard these guys really before this i've heard a couple of songs by them um so i did try to have like as open of a mind with them as i could have possibly and i was happy with what i heard this album rage is really hard it's got riffs for days it's got riffs for days and like there there's a part certain sounds like i just want to get up and just mosh i just want to push people over like this album, it goes really, really. I'm sure hard this album time. is great live. Oh yeah, I would love to see these guys live. It would, ah, God, it would just kick so much ass. Uh, I think guitar tone was great through the whole album too. I loved their guitar, the guitar tones they did, um, which is funny. Like uh, as I said before, like the first time I didn't realize that it was not drop tuned, and the first time I heard, it, I was like, man, I really love whatever they did to get this sound. I love it. And I was like, wait, they didn't do anything, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting sound. Definitely sounded different than other metal stuff I've heard. Uh, the one kind of thing I took away was that this is a very irritating sounding band. And I think that mainly comes from the lead singer, but also comes from the guitar work, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I, don't, I really do not think they pulled it off well. Because I've heard grating and unpleasant sounds before that are done well. And I don't think these guys pulled it off. I at all agree uh, 
to a certain extent, and I did mention this with the last two tracks on the album, they go so much more chaotic and mm-hmm. wilder for yeah. the last two songs. And I'm like, yeah. this sounds like something off like a daughter's record. Like I, where was this the rest of the album? Right. If the rest of this, the album had that level of insanity, yeah, yeah, I think it, it would have been, been better. Way, way. Because most of the first, you know, seven or eight tracks sound very similar to one another. I, yeah. I was having a hard time even distinguishing. Yeah, from there, one track to the, except for uh, my favorite track, the album Breitabron, however you say it. I thought that was a good track. I actually really enjoyed that one. It had a really cool build up with kind of the backing vocals, kind of the choir sounding stuff. I did really enjoy that track. Other than that, I was very bored and until the last two, which were kind of interesting, but um, a little too late by then. I, I did like uh, Brat to Braun, however you say it. It, uh, it did follow what it was, in my opinion, the worst song on the album, Discord. Yeah. That got that. Yeah, that one that was great. That was forgettable as hell. And that's about the best thing I can say about that song. Yeah, um, that was filler. Did you guys realize that uh, the feature on Crack of Doom was actually singing? Yeah. <laughs> I get. I had a feeling. I, I don't know. <laughs> the second listen, I was like, no. wait, these vocals are in English. He's actually singing. <laughs> was that the only one that was English? Oh, uh, yeah. The, yeah, Probably because they okay. were singing in Finnish yeah. for the most right. part. No, that wasn't but, the only song that was English. Uh, there was English there others, on right? a couple of these. There, there probably was, but... Um, Is Necrosoft a play on Microsoft? I was, thinking never, I was thinking Neversoft, the, the much, oh, okay. much more of a niche reference, but the feature was uh, the basses and vocals from Mastodon, in case any of you guys oh, are okay. curious. Oh, yeah, oh. I, I was too lazy to look it up, but yeah. thank you. Yes. Oh, that, that makes sense now, because I remember hearing it, but I couldn't place him. I, I mm. thought it fit pretty well on the track. Yeah, no, good. I thought like his voice... Do you guys like the singer, though? Are, are you okay? Are you on board with the singer? I was. As I, I want to ask you because I don't. I don't know shit um, about metal. I am because I'm not. But I maybe you guys are. I wouldn't say he's a great vocalist, but I, I enjoyed him. He's certainly good enough. Yeah, he, you know? he's good enough, and um, and I don't really know. I, I'm not even sure if I would say I know enough yeah. either because even I'm not a huge fan of like the really aggressive. Because I want to hear vocals. when I hear stuff like this, I want to hear uh, an authoritative, commanding voice, and this guy sounded whiny to me. I didn't like that. You did higher That's pitch. That's not what I want to hear. It's hard, and it's not yeah. just the pitch though; it's the inflection too. And and I think and that's because he's kind of singing it like he's in a punk band, not right? In a exactly. Band. Which you know, to be fair, you did say they were. They do describe themselves that way. They, so yeah. I can see where that's coming from. I just don't know that it works. Yeah. I don't want to hear angst. I don't want to hear whininess. I want to hear this guy could kill me if we saw him in the street. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the the because I think most people would think that punk and metal can go together really, really sure. well. And I think that that's not necessarily the case. And I think there's actually kind of a really good example of why that is. Yeah. Uh, because the vocals are typically so different. Like, I mean, think yeah. of like a Dead Kennedys record, but the lead singer whose name is escaping me right now, put him in a metal band. That would sound like garbage. Yeah. But um, Fat Mike on the, on singing a, like a metal record, that would sound terrible. <laughs> it works really okay in thrash. It can work okay. Because thrash is probably a combination it's of very punk, punk and yeah. metal. Uh, Outside of that, which is really rough. weird, because but while you could put thrash yeah. is like kind of like punk and metal combined, and these guys advertise themselves as like a punk metal band. I would not describe this album as thrash. But you could put like a low key art rock singer on top of a thrash band; it would probably sound pretty amazing. Like. 
Like if you took like a Lou Reed and like a Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I knew you were going there, you asshole. <laughs> I know, I was, I'm disappointed I didn't see that coming. I was like, Ben's going somewhere with this. <laughs> You should never let Lulu sneak up on you. You can't. <laughs> I do maintain that album could have been really good. It just wasn't. <laughs> it could have been good. Oh. Have you heard uh, Burzum? Philosophum. I have heard Burzum, and I'd rather not talk about Burzum. Oh, you don't like Burzum? They're huge Nazis. Oh, are they really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> just took a turn for the worst. Yeah. Well... Shit. So I thought uh, something I picked up a lot of on this album was actually kind of ACDC. <coughs> oh yeah, like there's definitely a lot of like classic rock. Like uh, Kiss, ACDC, a lot of that on here. But yeah, like a lot. There's a lot of those early metal, proto metal bands. So if we're talking on influences, here. the song, and I'm probably gonna butcher this, but I think it was. Fanden de ta de te ho or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, opens... it's Fanden de te ho. <laughs> the really? song opens. Well, no, that was the seventh track. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's very like Hell's Bells almost when it opens. And then he gets like oh, two or three minutes it, uh, in. For those about to rock. That was <laughs> yeah. the intro that came to and mind then, for me. And then it goes straight into like 80s Metallica. And then it goes into the Trooper. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, and it was, it was all different and... Obviously, they were influenced by those kind of things throughout the whole album. So mm-hmm. I saw this as like a fun kind of jab yeah. at some influences. But I was like, "What is this?" I will say, if the whole album was that much of like in-your-face influences, it would have gone below my bar of not creative enough for me. I to think that's consider. fun on a on a track. It's, yeah, it's not a absolutely not if that's how the whole album sounded. But that's a fun track, and the track yeah. went hard. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Like I, I like that track a lot. Like I got a lot of Kiss, a lot of ACDC, Metallica, like you said, Iron Maiden. But that uh, was one track. Yeah, and if it was like I said, if it was the whole thing, that would have been awful. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about on the closing track, Ved Braden of Nile. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> I think the Phantom of the Opera to you guys. You know, I didn't pick oh, up on it, but... I, I didn't catch it if uh, it did. It definitely... I was like, is this the fucking Phantom of the Opera? And like, I like translated the song. was like, is this uh, actually Phantom of the Opera? Was it? No, it means like on the beaches, like on the beach of the Nile or something like that. Hmm. Uh, well, granted, Wait, granted, that was Google Translate, so... Okay. I, I was thinking nihilism. Zero we are nihilists. Authentic- <laughs> you believe in the, nothing. Uh, <laughs> of the authenticity of that statement. Oh. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. Um, I would say this was of the two. This was my favorite album this week. Yeah, they, both of these albums placed pretty similarly. This one went a little higher. I, yeah, I'm gonna definitely go with Marcus King as my preference. I did not really care for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they, they both fell into that camp a little bit of like good execution, not terribly original. Mm-hmm. I, I could definitely see this week going one way or the other more on just which style you like. I, I do think both of these are going to end up very in the middle for me at the end of the year, which, God, so much of that. You keep saying that, but then, you know, coronavirus happens and nobody's recording and this is the best <laughs> album you hear in 2020. Maybe we won't even get to 100 albums this year at this rate. We yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting on something that really blows me away. Yeah, there yeah. is... There were, when I did this last year, there were like, I would say two albums that like really 
Not more than that. There are a few. There are a handful of albums I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, and it just really blew my mind. And I have not had, even with Mac Miller, Mac Miller didn't really blow me away. I think it was a really good album. Very solid from start to finish, but it didn't blow me away. No, me, I wouldn't put it at that level either. I think, yeah, no. I think both Matt Miller and Against All Logic were like, these are really good albums, but it's not like mind blowing. Actually, uh, Against yeah. All Logic kind of blew me away in a way. Um, but that's almost more of a like technical thing than yeah, like a musical exactly, thing. Exactly. Right. Well, I'm so confident we'll get to some better music this year. Yeah, we got plenty I, of time. I, so. I will say, this has definitely been the best week in a while, I would say. Yeah. What were, what were, yeah, what did we what do were last, our last time? few weeks? Because we did. Um, well, I guess the logic was last week was Ozzy and Royce to five miles. Oh, that was kind of rough. It was interesting. It's kind of a rough night uh, for a few reasons. The, the week before that was Pat Metheny and Tame Impala. That was a bland. Shit, that was bland. And then we get to Against All Logic and Green Day, and that was all over the place. That was all That was by far the biggest juxtaposition. That, that was, I think, without the highest, the biggest polarizing. Are we, are we going to get another day like that the whole year? I, I can't. I, imagine I can't imagine that we do. Like, because no. that album potentially might the very best. Well, have the number one and the, and the worst no, album on the last <laughs> year. In or at least same close. episode. It's quite possible. I mean, that's impressive. Like, that's actually, I'm the outlier because I, I don't think Green Day is the worst we listen, listen to, but it is pretty fucking bad. You don't think it is either, dude. No, I, I thought Dune Rats is worse. I will give both of them another listen as the year drives to a close. I don't know if I can do that, man. It's going to be rough. I will probably have to listen to the bad albums just to determine which is the worst of the worst. At least yeah. with those two. I mean, you can do both of those in under an hour. That's true. That is true, yeah. There are no, you need a 20-minute fucking recovery period where you douse your entire face in a vat of alcohol. It's like two beers, two albums, you're done. Oh, God. Uh, uh, this was a really, really quick episode. There's not a whole lot to say on these ones, which is really disappointing. That's although the worst for me. Like, yeah. honestly, I'd rather have another Green Day than something where I just don't have anything to say really about an album. Just, like, I can I can shit on Green Day for hours. Yeah. yeah, and you know, but fair enough. I there's no sense in going on for two hours if there's not two hours of stuff to go on about. You know. Yeah. It, two good, solid albums. They're worth a listen. Yeah, if if yeah, and as I said with Marcus King, uh, if it's in, you're in the style, give it a listen. If you like punk, if you like metal, if you like if you like uh, I don't or want to call it classic rock. Ben, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! What you don't like Spanish people? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm gonna dignify that with the response. But if you like punk, if you like metal, if you like you know like '80s. Uh, rock, proto metal. Give it a shot. You you might enjoy it. And I I do say if you are trying to get into harsher vocals, I think this is a pretty good album for it. Cause it is definitely that style, but it's not nearly as abrasive as some metal can be. All right. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. All right. Well. Quick one this evening. Thank you very much for listening. Come back next week if we haven't died from coronavirus. And we will be listening to Rap Frera's Purple Moonlight Pages and Suicide Silence with their album Become the Hunter. And also be on the lookout for a bonus episode we got coming out where I will be going over three of my favorite albums of all time. Three albums I think are underrated and three albums that I think are overrated. So, hopefully they'll be out soon. Hope you give it a listen, and thank you very much. Have a good night.